and welcome back, Beyonders, to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin, joined by co-hosts Dan and Jason. Welcome to the show, fellas. Hey. Hello. And we have special guest today, Luke from Limithron, creator of Limithron and creator of Pirate Board. We are excited to have you today because we spent some time at Gen Con playing Pirate Borg, and we had a great time with it. So, welcome to the Are you scurvy sea dogs? <laughs> Thanks for having me aboard. <laughs> I was going to ask how many uh, pirate jokes we're going to have tonight. Are, are all of them. I don't know. I, I got <laughs> Yeah. I got a few. I, I, I should have more, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I You know, my favorite is the, you know, what is a uh, pirate's favorite letter? Do you think it'd be R, but it's actually the C? There it is. You got it. <laughs> my, my favorite is you kind of string along with a lot, a lot of R question jokes, you know. And then what's the what's the pirate's favorite mode of transportation? Is it a car? No, it's a pirate ship. I like that one. <laughs> of course, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, welcome to the show. We're super excited to talk to you about this. Um, and in fact, uh, we saw that this was just released. Pirate Borg was just released um at free league publishing and there was copies of it at the gen con booth and it's you can actually get not out that. yet it's actually that was oh. a, like early it's a it's gone to kickstarter backers and that was an early preview for gen con okay uh but the official release is talk like a pirate day which is september 19th well okay yeah. mark your calendars yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh no yeah it no so i thought it was yeah exactly i thought it was released because i was literally holding a copy of it in my hand there at gen con yeah you, you know? can buy it as a awesome con copy too. Yeah. yeah you can buy it it's great con, but, it was and you can get them from us as well but they're but the retail really the actual official street release date is 9 so nice very good very good. Well, uh, we have a lot to talk about with you about Paraborg and all of that. Um, and just about you in general, because you seem like a fun guy to talk to. So, uh, <laughs> but before we get into that, we are obviously need to do our Geek Week. So, Jason, why don't you kick us off with Geek Week? Yeah, man. I've been spending like every waking hour since I got back from my uh, beach trip with my family, which was this past weekend, making terrain, putting terrain together for Nova Open, right? the blood hunt. And I'll tell you now I understand when people are complaining about those trees. Oh yeah. It's like, Oh my gosh, man, like getting them to line up perfectly. And then there's gaps all over the place and, and stuff. It actually, it's gone to better. It's gone together a lot better than I thought it would. Um, uh, so I, I will give games workshop that it has. There's been a couple places that have been a little tricky, but still it's like clipping those little branches off over and over. Like my hands sore. I'll be I'm I'm almost done, but then it comes to painting. I tell you, man, this one's gonna get a quick slap job paint for Nova <laughs> Open. I mean, Don't we got thirty. What do we got? Uh, uh, sixteen tables we're running. Sixteen Six, tables, like some like sixteen tables, time. right? So that's a lot of train. Yeah. Yep. Wow, it's a lot of train. Yep. But uh, besides that, when I was I played a game I'd never played before. When I was at uh, I was at the beach for a family reunion, so I had all my siblings and their nieces and nephews and stuff. And we played this game called Medium, um, which uh, which is on Board Game Geek right now. It's only it's a six point nine, which isn't that bad actually. It's a party game, so it's really interesting concept, right? So you just have decks of cards, and they just have words on them, uh, nouns, and everybody gets cards, and you turn to the person right next to you, 
and you lay down a card that has a word on it, then lay the, they lay down a card that has a word on it. And together you have to look at both those words and think, what is the other person thinking? And then you have mm-hmm. to both on three say this, hopefully say the same word. Oh, weird. Right? So like my brother put down a, a card that said court and I put a card down that said death. And we both went one, two, three, and together we said execution. And so we That's what we I was thinking. Like, yeah, right? Right. Uh, but then if you don't say the same word, then the two words that you both said, that's your new pair. And then you have to use those oh, two. Wow. So like instead of execution, if I had said like um, and you can say an idea, like if I had said like uh, 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 sentence. Right. And he had said execution, then we would have to say execution and sentence. And then we would have to go three, two, one and say another word that those two words read us to get. So it's kind of like you're a medium and you're slowly, you know, necking down to what the other person's thinking, but you only get three tries and then it's the next, the next team go real fun party game. You can play it with, it's one of those games you can play with like in any number of people, right? Because everybody's guessing their own words at the same time as you. So I, it's, I don't know if you can still get it or not. It's one of those, like, you know, everyone just threw games in a bag and brought it. One of my, one of my siblings brought it, but uh, fun concept. So that was cool. New game to play. When you had mentioned medium, I thought that this was going to be the game um, that they were using in Ghostbusters with the electroshock. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what am I thinking of? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spit my gum out when I get shot. Did you see the new one, the new Ghostbusters? Yeah, it was pretty good. I like it. Has it. A throw, it has a throwback to that scene in like the end. Yeah, yeah, or something. yeah. So good, so good, so good. Dan, how was your geek week? I've had an anti-geek week. My geek week oh. was so anti-geek that it's starting to chomp up other future weeks and de-geekify them. So uh, I was on a cruise, a Disney cruise, not very Star Warsy Disney, but uh, we we had a we had a good time. So um, spent time summering it up. But in fact, looks like my Nova Open uh, adventures are going to be canceled for work trips. So. Um, I've got to go to Eastern Europe for work, uh, and uh, it looks like I will have to figure out a way to get my to get up some kind of refund or rollover at Nova Open. So it's a bummer, but it is what it is. So yeah, like I said, it's so not geeky that <laughs> it has like made the week of Nova Open less geeky. So I better shut yeah. up and pass pass the microphone to somebody who's done something cool. Yeah, before you get more bad karma going on. I, here. Exactly. No. Gen Don't pass Con. that mic. Burn that mic. No Gen Con. No, nobody no wants open. to grab that mic from you. <laughs> it's like, no, oh, he's toxic. Yeah. All right. Awesome. That's All it. right. Well, sort of anti geeky. Go read yeah. a book or something. Uh, yeah. Luke, uh, <laughs> Luke, how was oh, your man. geek week? Well, uh, I've had a very geeky week. Um, where to start? I want to just throw a quick, quick aside to Gen Con because we had a really great uh, week. For me, that feels like this week. I don't know if it, I think it was last week, but whatever. Um, so I, my, my 40th birthday was on Friday. So we had a pirate wizard looks at 40, like huge party in the lobby of the Hyatt. And there were like all these industry people there and like somehow Luke Gygax showed up. So that was pretty cool. Um, uh, but wow. my wife flew in to surprise me and I had no idea she was coming. And so, uh, that was great. But then the next day her and I went to dinner just to meet me and her. And we're sitting at dinner and I look across the room and it's Professor Dungeon Master from Dungeon Craft 
and Ben Milton from Questing Beast and Kelsey Dion from Shadow Dark all having this like private dinner. And I'm like, whoa, what, what's going on? So like I kind of know Ben because he did a review of Pirate Borg. Um, and I and I kind of know Professor Dungeon Master, but I, I walked over on a way out to say hi to them all and um, met saw Ben again and met Professor Dungeon Master. And then I met Kelsey and I was like, hi, I'm Luke. I made Pirate Borg. And she's like, oh, I backed it. I love Pirate Borg. And I was like, well, this is the coolest day ever. So then I walked out of that meeting, the three of them over to the convention center where my friend invited me to play my first game of Shadow Dark, like a pickup game, like right after meeting Kelsey. So that was the, my geeky, you know, that's bragging awesome. thing for the week. <laughs> so. That's pretty awesome. We were in a game on Saturday night. I think you had just popped in. We we're playing Dragon Bane with Mr. With Dragon Mr. Bane. Mr. Dragon was... Bane. <laughs> oh my that's God. Right, that guy John. runs Jonathan, right? Yep. Yeah, he runs. He runs. All he did, all Gen Con was run. Run Dragon Bane. I, that guy Dude, is. Dude, I champion. don't know how. What did I he know, say? Right? We were like his fiftieth drag or sixtieth Dragon Bane run. In like, he's definitely in like the months, the most like experienced. Yeah, I didn't yeah. realize you guys were at yeah. that table when I came up. I, I was a, a blur for me. So yeah, man. Yeah, but he told us about your party because apparently he was there. So oh, he's yeah, like, it dude, was, it was wild. Yeah. There's like this like fortieth birthday party. It was really awesome. So. Oh yeah, there was like rum, and I was carrying around rum, and uh, it was it was, and the the Morkborg guy, the Stockholm Cartel guys showed up, and they gave me this like statue that they got when Morkborg launched. It's like a middle finger, like painted huh. in Morkborg colors, and they sang me Happy Birthday in Swedish. It was like very surreal. So that is amazing. That is so awesome. Well, uh, it's definitely a testament to, uh, you know, Pirate Borg and, and, and the work you're doing. So, but you're right. Gen Con, it was like two weeks ago, but it still counts. Totally. You know, okay, for cool. a geek week. It totally counts. Yeah. Uh, my geek week is I'm getting back and just kind of shaking off the post-con funk that happens where it's like the post-con blues kind of where oh, you yeah. sort of just like, I just wish I was still playing games, you know, like because uh, you're getting back into real life and stuff like that. Um, but I did it um, while um, uh, by by finishing some models I was painting. And uh, let me see if I can pull it up. I finished my um, kill team uh, kill team uh, dudes uh, death death core of Krieg uh, models there. So got them based, got them ready to go. And uh, I think I'll be playing those at the Nova Open. So it's just nice to have those painted and all done. They've been sitting on my shelf since the Octarius box came out for Kill Team, which was like three years ago. So um, happy to have that done. If I paint the terrain that came in that box, that box is completely done. And that's like a big kind of check mark for the war against the gray, I call it. You know, all those gray minis that are on my shelf that I have to... Mm -hmm. That I have to do so, um, but yeah, I'm happy to have them done. And that was uh, I've been working on my Star Wars minis for um, for uh, uh, the Your Nova Wookies Open. Well. Yeah, I gotta I gotta get my one Wookie back from Dan. He's uh, holding him hostage. So I left a Wookie at his house. So. Is it like a Wookie squad, or are you playing a full Wookie like you know team? I tried to put as many Wookiees in there as possible, and I, I can play with about eight of them, you know? Whoa. So, and then I've got clones, like, because this is like the clone era. I've got Yoda with yeah. his, like, clone detachment. And they're all camouflaged, like, uh, for, you know, being on Wait, Is Yoda in the it. same team as the Wookiees? Yes. Yeah, man. Yeah. Dude, this is, you're speaking like my love language right now. 
<laughs> I, so I, I used to play a, a lot of the I played the Star Wars CCG, but I played a lot of the TCG that Wizards of the Coast made in the early 2000s. Yeah. And my favorite deck was called Fuzzball and uh, Fuzzball and Super Toad. And it was a Yoda. <laughs> it was I love amazing. it. Yeah. 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 I, so we're uh, we're playing in a Star Wars Legion like game on Saturday night, which is like uh, the casual mode. So I probably don't have the most competitive list out there, but it's like I'm playing with Wookiees and like Yoda. So like I'm having a great amazing. time, you know? So, yeah. So I got to finish uh, painting those up and some terrain and stuff. So my geek week over the next couple of weeks is going to be very much hobby focused. You were over here yesterday. We talked about Legion and I forgot. I know. He, he left a mini at my house. And so I guess I guess he's still hostage at them. He, he is exactly. I think he's a. I think he's a hero character. Uh, yeah, he's my Wookiee chieftain. Yeah. So well, yeah. good luck going to Nova Open without uh, without your guy. We'll, we'll figure <laughs> right, out exactly. how much he's worth to you. Yeah, you better get it before Dan hops on a plane and crosses the ocean. Yeah, uh, I'm, I know, going, I'm going to Estonia and I'm taking your Wookiee with me. <laughs> He'll be more well traveled than I am. <laughs> I'll you do know? little photos. Oh, not <laughs> yeah, right? at Nova Open with Dan, who's not at Nova Open. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, cool. Sounds like we all had a pretty – well, most of us had a pretty good geek week. Uh, but uh, so, Dan, we're going to give you some redemption. Uh, I think you've got some news for us. You know, it's just one little news item, but it's really kind of important. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time and a lot of episodes on this podcast talking about how COVID affected conventions. And so the news, um, according to the Indianapolis Star, is that Gen Con broke its all-time attendance record and they hit over 70,000 attendees. So um, that's a really, really fantastic number. It shows that we're back 100%. At least it feels 100%. I know it never will always be, it'll never be exactly the same as it was. I'm sure you guys saw a few masks here and there. Uh, and considering the reality of gamer crud, I, I, I don't fault anybody who's, who's masking up for that, but uh, it's great to see uh, India. And it, Oh, the other part of that is that Gen Con has renewed its contract with the city of Indianapolis yeah. through the year 2030. So there should be lots of locked-in dates so you can pre-calendar and defend those calendar dates from other people in your life that want you to go be other places and do other things. Yeah, um, it's, it's not a bad place, too. I, you know, the, one day I realized that because they have, like, all four hotels or five hotels and the mall all connected with sky bridges, like, I realized, like, I had never gone outside for, like, two, I got outside for, like, two days because I kept walking the sky bridges between, like, everything, right? I seen the outside, but not actually been there. So that's it. Weather, the weather's been terrible. You were you were good. You're smart. It was pretty hot. I mean, you went outside a few yeah, times. It was but hot. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's 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 all the news. Uh, I we did talk about the Ennies in a previous episode. The winners were announced. If you're not up on that, so you can go to the Ennies.org website and go check out uh, to see who won. It's a great way to get an idea of different products that are out there and kind of what's what's getting everybody's heads to turn as well. So I'll just point everybody in those directions. I'll, I'll just give a quick shout out to the any stuff. Free League Publishing cleaned up. Like, I mean, that was all the, the way. Story. Clean sweep. Clean sweep. I mean, That's so great. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And and Vastin in particular, 
Vason Vassen Vessen. I don't know how people pronounce it, but um, their their Nordic horror um, fantasy horror game really cleaned up quite a bit. Um, and uh, there was a couple other you know RPGs or supplements that ended up um, taking silver, but I mean really like free league went home with so many golds, like so many golds. And it was, it was good to see. Yeah. It was great to see. Yeah. And also, um, frontier scum, which started as a Morkborg hack. It's like a weird, weird West OSR game. It won Uh best layout, which is well-deserved for Carl Druid and his team. So are we going to see, um, are we going to see pirate Borg up for the Ennies next year? I submitted this year. Um, I, I walked over to that booth with six copies and filled out the paperwork. So we'll cross our fingers. They snubbed cyborg, which I thought was insane. It didn't get yeah. any nominations. So I don't know if, you know, somebody on the council was like, you know, Oh, Mark Borg won too many. Mark Borg had like a queen clean sweep that one year as well. They won like yeah. six Ennies or something. So I thought Cyborg was an incredible book, so I'm a little irritated about that, but we'll see. Hopefully they have different eyes for Pirate Borg. Hopefully, hopefully. I, I know um, we had uh, uh, we had Chaosium on the just an episode previous to this to talk about their Graveyards of Arkham podcast. Who did you have on? So uh, we had Michael O'Brien on. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, he's uh, one of the vice presidents there, and he's uh, the executive producer over Graveyards of Arkham and book, uh, Bookshops of Arkham, kind of their actual play podcast. And um, I was talking, I ended up going to the booth, and I ran into Paul Fricker, who is oh, like, like my dude, amazing author, right? He's, like he he's yeah, written so many yeah. of those scenarios, like, and such a great guy to talk to. It was so funny too because I like I I walked up to the booth and I'm like. You're Paul Fricker, and he goes, yeah. "I am," <laughs> you yeah, know. And I, 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 and could, like, I could totally see his expression. I, I am. Yeah, I am and Paul I mean, Fricker. he was just kind of like, "There's so many people that were like walking by that had no idea who this guy was, right?" Like, oh, yeah, and that were like yeah. talking about all the Cthulhu stuff, Cthulhu yeah, yeah. And I'm like, "Dude, like Paul Fricker's like right here." But um, it was so funny because I was talking to him about it, and we talked about how um, the podcast category really needs to be broken out into separate categories. Because, like, there's so many, like, actual plays that are yeah. competing with, like, analysis or, you know, things like that. Yeah, and it just yeah. seems like and I think, they need to be I think a YouTube more. channel won Best Podcast this year. Something weird. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not even really a podcast. It was, like, an instructional YouTube channel. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, how to be a better DM he, type of thing. You know? Yeah. He so, just started I mean, congrats podcast. to him. Yeah. He just yeah. started a new podcast with Mike Mason. I don't know if you were about to get to that, but... Oh yeah, I um, yeah. Paul told me that actually, so yeah. yeah. Which Mike Mason's amazing. He was on our show um, last year actually. So nice. Well, the the yeah. two of them um, were on. We I did a Pirate Borg live uh, at Necronomicon last year. Oh um, cool. And and uh, I had them on and Bridget Jeffries and Corey from uh, Crawl for the Cure, and they all mm-hmm. wore pirate costumes and. It was just really great to play Pirate Borg with the Chaosium team. So that's how I got yeah. to know Paul. So I, I've I, everyone I've met over at the Chaosium team is awesome. Like they they've just been super friendly and just love their stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, they just seem like a team of people who like make games because they love making those games. You know, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, that takes us to the end of our news, um, Dan. So let's get to our main topic, which is you, Luke. You uh, that uh, and, and, and pirate board, yeah, right. So, um, 
uh, like I said, we're happy to have you on the show because uh, you are bringing something I think is kind of interesting and fresh, which is a pirate RPG. Like, how did we not really have like pirate RPGs before? Like, I was going I through know. and I'm like, this, like, no, like, yeah, I was kind of doing the John Travolta like look around, like, it's, like, <laughs> yeah, where, but, like yeah. where's the pirate RPGs? You know? I mean, I so. have a whole, I have a whole rant on this. I like the thing I remember. You know, pirates have been a huge part of my life, my entire life, basically. And I remember when they announced that they were making a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. I remember seeing yeah. the teaser trailer with no graphics, like no shots. It's just like a logo, you know, and thinking like, yeah. finally, pop culture will start caring about pirates. We're going to get like, you know, pirate costumes in the Halloween store. And like, and so, and, and pirates came and pirates went. And it's like back to like, People don't seem to really care about this genre. That's the best genre. I don't understand why people don't give this genre more love. You got, you know, sci-fi and you got, you know, knights and castles and dragons and all that stuff. It's like pirates is where it's at, man. So I just made the thing that I wanted to exist. So, so clearly your love of pirates goes way back. Um, but what, like, what is it about? Pi like, what is it about pirates that really pushed you to want to make an RPG about it? Oh man! Well, and I assume that that I assume that that flavored your design too, your love of certain pirate culture or, or whatever, you know. Yeah, I mean, I could talk. I could really talk about this topic for a whole hour. Um, I think the most direct influence on me playing pirate role playing games uh, was I was in South America for work. Uh, I was down there doing a tour, and this I went to this like Spanish abandoned Spanish fort on a day off. And I had started playing D and D. Uh, you know, I started playing D and D like not that long ago, like maybe six or seven years ago, regu regularly at least. And yeah. I was thinking, like, man, like these cannons and stuff. Like, it'd be so cool to take all my uh, Pirates of the Spanish Main miniature ships and use them for a D and D, like a proper D and D campaign. Uh, and I love that game. I I actually won a championship at Gen Con one year playing it. I mean, it's like a beer and pretzels game, but I like love the game and I love the lore they had built into the characters and the factions. Um, so I basically started this 5e campaign that was inspired by that game um, with the cursed faction and the pirate faction and Spanish and English and all that. Um, and then when COVID hit, like that was really all, all there was to do. My I wasn't doing any other work i was just sitting at home so i started running this campaign like full time basically and making these maps uh to use in that campaign because we were playing 5e we needed good battle maps but i didn't have like oh i can find a galleon because everybody makes a galleon but they're fighting a frigate today or a sloop you know mm -hmm. um so i ended up starting this patreon making pa pirate ship battle maps and we took a break from that campaign and played Morkborg because my friend had had backed it on Kickstarter and was like, yo, we got to play this game. And I was aware of it, but I had never, you know, played it. And it seemed like so rules light. I didn't understand it. Uh, and it was the most fun mm -hmm. I think I've ever had playing a role playing game was playing Morkborg. Uh, and I guess the rest from there is history. They had the best third party license in the industry. So I started hacking it, which started as like a short pirate RPG zine turned into about 80 or 90 pages before I went to Kickstarter and then we hit all our stretch goals. And then by the time I was done, it was 168 pages, I think. So that's the long, short, long version, I guess. So, so I, before, before we get into too much more of this, uh, you have on your website, which we'll put up here in just a minute, 
like a video intro to what Pirate Borg is, right? It's like a release trailer. And I'd like yeah, to play yeah. it for our audience here um, and th- to kind of help give them a visual flavor of, of uh, what we're talking about a bit. So uh, let's let's get this trailer. Get your popcorn ready, audience members. Here we go. There is a darkness upon the sea. These tranquil islands betray the horrors that have unfolded here. And a constant state of war has spawned a new breed of outlaw. The pirates. But fouler things than men plague these waters. Hordes of undead. Ships of bone and flesh. Nameless terrors lurking in the deep. But not the devil himself can save a man from his own greed. Dang. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. yeah. Has a I'm very a, Darkest Dungeon game. feel to it. Oh, yeah. Okay, setting. so I, I'm obsessed with Darkest Dungeon. I'm terrible at the Yeah, game. man. But our, literally, like, I, not everybody gets this because they don't play video games, but my elevator pitch to somebody who has never heard of Pirate Borg is that it's Sea of Thieves meets Darkest Dungeon. Yep. That's Dang. exactly yeah. what I was thinking when, we were, when I was yeah, looking you, through the book, it, man. It, it's like if literally if Chris Barassa from from the Red Hook Studios team, if those guys had like been opted in to do the art direction for Sea of Thieves, you know, that's 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 yeah, the vibe, well, I think man. you nailed that theme for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that, that's so, that's where my heart lives. You know, the the yeah. it's like dark but cute. This is the same thing with Pirates of the Spanish Main. It's like. Oh, it's beautiful tropical waters, and there is like very nice little oil paintings of all the guys, but like some of them are like terrible undead monsters, you know. So yeah, <laughs> it's a uh, mental yeah. confusion. Well, I was yeah, just in Tortola yeah. this week, so I'm definitely feeling that vibe. I definitely nice. can smell the salt air, and I think I think that trailer kind of reactivated my interest in in. Uh... See, the cool thing about pirates is it's an intersection between fantasy horror and his and historical and it's a really cool intersection of the three it's like okay you're going to be fighting with swords but you're also going to be have to figure out how to load a cannon and fire it what's you know that's not a machine gun you know a cannon is a different weapon of war so i think it's just a really fascinating mishmash of of multiple genres that, that that work together seamlessly Sure. Um, I think our, so. our tagline was uh, RPG inspired by history, fantasy, horror, and rum. And that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, because there's a very strong, you don't really see it in the trailer too much, but there's a, a very strong Lovecraftian influence in the book. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, it, uh, I was very heavily influenced by uh, Tim Powers on Stranger Tides which is um, the book that kind of inspired The Secret of Monkey Island, and then Disney optioned it for 
the uh, fourth Pirates of the Caribbean movie, but they basically just gutted everything and just took some of the characters. Uh, it's an incredible book, and there's a really strong, like, Haitian voodoo, like, influence in the magic comes from that. So the first draft of Pirate Borg, like, all the all the magic was, like, voodoo-inspired, or voodoo, as they say, I guess. Um, but right. then we ended up being like, hey, you know what, like... First off, there's a cult- cultural appropriation line that we don't really want to cross, but more more so than that, what if you want to play a Lovecraftian sorcerer? And so we actually changed the Bokor class to a sorcerer so that you could play a druid type or, you know, in my mind, he's just like, you're just playing a full-blown, like, Lovecraft cultist, you know, so. Awesome. Sounds really cool. Yeah, I you know, the the, the great thing about pirates, and, and you were kind of alluding to this earlier, um, is that like it it's it's that age that the golden age of piracy, right, which was like 15, 1600s, is sort of at this point to us like the age of legend, you know, mm-hmm. and it's about to like move into the age of myth, you know, and mm-hmm. um because of that, there are like there's a lot of room for mystic, like the mystical, mm. you know, there's a lot of room for um, the historical too, right? Like you, 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 we know that there was Spanish forts. We know that there was ports that we know that there was hideaways and buried treasure. We know that there was like, you know, like these, these uh, crews of privateers or, or, you know, straight up pirates and things like that, that, that we had, like, we, we know all of these things in history, um, but then there's the mystical that's part of it too, like the voodoo aspect of it, the, you know, the kind of, um, uh, strange things that happen at sea because it was an uncharted sure. land. And then, you know, like the, the mystic, uh, fuels like this RPG, I feel like. Absolutely. And I'm um, one of the, one of the like hooks in that, uh, Tim Powers novel is that, Magic has always been real, um, but the presence of iron and the Iron Age had pushed it out of like mm. Europeans' grasp. Mm-hmm. So when these settlers and then eventually pirates had come to the Caribbean, like there's this raw, like you know, fey magic because there's less iron. Um, and I thought that was such a, such a cool idea for a magic system. So we we pulled pits of that in where like if you're casting rituals or whatnot you can't like you can't be holding metal or if you do in my game i would have that metal heat up just like it does in that book you know um but yeah it's totally rich it's the richest setting for me i just i think like you said that all the seafaring lore over the years really is ripe for any kind of role-playing game um and i've had you know i've i ran a bunch of uh tolkien inspired stuff like one ring and then adventures in middle earth and I always like was running against to the this like oh well I can't I can't play in this world because it's set already like it this mm. is Tolkien's world it's not mine you know but when you're playing like a historically inspired game like you can use jumping off points like for example the earthquake of uh, 1692 in Port Royal is like a huge beginning Porsche like chunk of this game um, that you can use that to inspire but like like Tim Powers did in his book, like, well, the reason that happened is because Blackbeard was there and tried to do some magic that messed up and it caused the earthquake. Like, that kind of stuff, like, you can spin it off into your own version of things, and and that's what we're really, like, excited to do with this setting. Uh, Pirate Borg's just the beginning of what we're, we've got brewing, um, and we're going to do really fun things where, like, you know, Ponce de Leon is a lich because he drank from the fountain of youth and awesome. you know, blackbeard is a necromancer <laughs> and all, bring in all these like historical figures 
but tweak them to our own way. And then from there, it, like that was just the starting point. You can take it wherever you want because it's your own role playing game. So, yeah. One of, one of my um, favorite ser- uh, video game series is Assassin's Creed. I like, oh, like I love playing Assassin's Creed. And, and obviously, one of them was uh, Black Flag, Black right? Flag, Which was the yeah. Caribbean. It was, it was so good. But um, if you look at a lot of the really, really good Assassin's Creed games, they have found a point in time where there is a conflict of civilization that's happening, yeah. Yeah. right? And so, for example, um, the, the very first one that they had, uh, you know, was during the Crusades, and so you had this conflict, this this conflict of civilization between the Christians and the and the Muslims that are around Jerusalem, and so you had like. Um, a very interesting backdrop, a, a tapestry of things that was happening. It wasn't just like one one setting, one backdrop. Um, and so, like with with pirates, for example, you have you know the English that are coming in. You have the Spanish that are happening mm-hmm. there. You've got the Native Americans that are that are playing a part here. You know, you've got like so many things that are happening that make this world feel like very alive. And I think that that um, you you've picked a, a great time period to be able to really play, like you said, you know, I mean, there's these kind of seminal events that sort of happen that, that you can kind of hang, hang a lantern on or, 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 you know, really, really start. But man, there's, there's a lot of things. You could be playing a campaign where you're running from the English. You could be playing, you could be playing a campaign where you are um, kind of, uh, uh, fighting for the English, just not under their flag. Private, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like you, you've got so much stuff that that uh, you could be playing with because of the setting that it is, right? And one of the nice things that I think um, this setting also does um, that that Cthulhu gives uh, beginning role players as well is that we all know pirates, like we all know pirates. Like I name somebody who hasn't seen the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, right? or been to Disneyland and kind of has this idea of at least what a pirate is, you know, like we know pirates, like sometimes you say, okay, I'm going to play a frost giant. And people are like, what the heck is that? You know? And yeah, like, they, yeah. like they can't kind of get their mind around some, some of the fantastical elements of D and D a little bit. Uh, but pirates, like everybody knows how to play, play a pirate. You have a wooden leg and, and a cutlass and uh, and a hook for a hand and you're good to go, you know? Yes. So <laughs> all things that you can roll as a starting character in Fireborg. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, what it, what it made you choose uh, Morkborg? Like that that to me is kind of interesting because it like you you have developed sort of this setting, um, you know, and you had this kind of running around in your mind. But like like why Morkborg? I know you said you played it and like fell in love with it, but like like really kind of like what pushed you towards Morkborg versus like doing a five D adaption or something like yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean. It, when I first started Pirate Borg, my original plan, having just completed playing this like short campaign in Morkborg, was to do two books. I was going to do a 5e book called The Dark Caribbean and then a 5e book called The Dark Caribbean, but for Pirate Borg. So one was going to be 5e stats and one would be, you know, Morkborg stats. Um, and I just got further and further down the rabbit hole um, and realized that, they, you know, they aren't really the same and what one needs, the other one doesn't. Um, but as far as why Morkborg specifically, like it's a system that I mean, it's almost like gallows humor. It's so dark, you know, in the core Morkborg book, you're actually rolling every day to see if you read a psalm. And after reading the seventh psalm, the world ends. 
Um, and so the size die you roll depends on how long you want your campaign to go. If you want to play for years, you can roll a D20. And on a one, you're going to read a psalm, you know. Um, so it, it's like very pitch black and very apocalyptic. But like because of that, it's like funny almost like you're going to die. So like if you die now or later, it doesn't really matter. Like there aren't any mm-hmm. rules in the game for, you know, or any instructions for how to save the world. And it's not about that. It's basically about how you're going to spend your time. Um, and I thought like this kind of approach to world building is very similar to what I imagine a grim, dark pirate setting would be like um, in that, you know, your life was already terrible. If you were born in London in the early 1700s, like your life was terrible. And you if you got press ganged or joined the military, God forbid, uh, you made terrible rations. I mean, it's basically slave labor and uh, you'd get flogged. Uh, and often your only chance of salvation was to mutiny or be attacked by pirates and join them. I mean, that's like this isn't real history. This isn't fantasy. Um, and then as a pirate, like in the late 1600s, for example, Captain Morgan's Buccaneers, like these guys would sack these towns, these Spanish towns uh, and hold them ransom and then come home with like 20 years equivalent of pay each. Um and then they would squander it. They would literally like spend years of money uh, in Port Royal, you know, at brothels or drinking, you know. Uh, and so even if the world isn't ending, Morkborg is a great engine for a pirate game because, um, well, here's another example. In, in Morkborg, when you make a character, uh, it's usually random and there are four or five tables that you roll on that basically give you like your character backstory. But they're all bad. Like they're not. They're they're not like, oh, you were a merchant's son and you start with a bunch of money. It's like, oh, you are a terrible person. And you know, I can't even remember what they are now because I've played so much pirate board. But we adapted these tables to pirate board so you can start missing a leg, or uh, you know, haunted by a ghost that nobody else can see, or like any weird dark pirate background you could think of is now a starting option in in pirate board. And that fuels such like fun, imaginative gameplay, but a different kind that you're maybe used to in 5e when you're trying to build a character you're going to take to level 20 or that you're going to bring for the whole arc. Like this is, it's just, it's just more fun to have a short, terrible pirate life, you know? Yeah. Luke, my, um, my favorite RPGs are rules light lethal. That's, that's. That's where I go when it comes to yeah. RP. Everybody knows that. Whenever I run Mothership, everyone knows oh, they're not yeah. getting out alive, period. I, but it's you know, be if epic. I had talked to you this morning, I would have been wearing my Mothership shirt. So we're Yeah, man. Yeah, time. I've got mine. Yeah. It's Actually, mine's dirty from Gen Con. <laughs> yeah. Still in the laundry, but yeah. yeah, and you know, another we it, that's another thing that I, I always try to bring up in these interviews. Like Morkborg, it's obviously called Pirate Borg, and the rules engine is Morkborg's. But to be honest with you, I think that Mothership, from a design perspective, is more of an influence on this game in that like Sean McCoy's layouts and yep. the way that they, they do information design and table design and game design. Yeah. We, I, I've really taken that to heart. Um, there's not a lot of spreads in pirate Borg that are like the early pages of Morkborg, but there are a lot of pages in pirate Borg that are like any of the pages in mothership, especially yeah. De- dead planet and pound of flesh. Yeah. I definitely got that feeling when I was flipping through the book at Gen Con. Um, and uh, I love that. So my question, I kind of have a question to you, right? So when I think pirates, <clears throat> I think perfect for rules, light, lethal, right? That's, perfect, yeah. It's great. Perfect. Because like you said, it's a horrible life. Like you're probably going to die anyways, like tomorrow, yeah. you know? 
And if you get slight, even if you get in a sword fight, you know, you get hit once, you can get gangrene and you're dead two weeks later. So, yep, exactly. So, when, you, get when shot, you were first, you know, yeah, we're shot, it's game over, right? When, yeah, so yeah. when you were first thinking, though, it sounded like you were exploring like 5e initially because you just wanted to get pirates into the game, right? So, how were you, were you still feeling that lethal thing? You were going to try to make it lethal in 5e, or is that why you immediately gravitated once you played more forks? Like, this is it, it's not 5e. Well, yeah, I mean, so just a little bit a backstory on that campaign I was running when I started the Patreon. It's called Tales from the Caribbean, and um, it that campaign was a 5e campaign, but I have a whole document. I, I, have, I have a document that I gave to players that they actually thought was of like PDF I purchased. So I guess that was a good sign of my future to come. <laughs> but it basically was like, hey, here are the rules for the Dark. For, it wasn't the Dark Caribbean. It was just the Caribbean. Uh, here are the rules. We're going to level cap at level six. Short rests are overnight. Long rests are on land only, and they take a week. Like, here's the approved spell list. If you're going to play... A weird class you better have a good explanation for it obviously you could play a bard like for example my brother tyler yeah. played a he played a bard but like themed it like a swashbuckler you know so like all his insults were just real insults they weren't magical you know so we were doing all of these tweaks that were like very cumbersome but at a time i think in the industry especially for me as a newer role player like 5e was the only i'm not gonna go find some weird game and who am i gonna how am i gonna find players to play some weird yeah. other i want to play dungeons yeah. and dragons you know uh but we're in we're post ogl debacle now and yeah. and we're in in like if we were in the old school renaissance now like and we're, now we're in like the new school renaissance or i don't know what you want to call this era but it's like rpgs that aren't D D are are hot right now so it, it really works well that that all that happened and I ended up falling into a system that worked better for this kind of deadly yeah. game, you know, like I got really, you know, death saves and like all the spell, it's just like too much to explain away. Well, yeah. in my game, like you don't have to worry about what role to make to swing from one ship to another or like the mechanic rolls for two ships smashing together. Like they just smash together. Like, tell me what you do, and roll roll a dice if it's deadly. Yeah. Like that's that's the let, let alone dealing with lawful good pirates and crap like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. I think Morkor yeah, exactly. is a really good good fit. Yeah. Also, my, yeah. also the morality of running around and using violence to solve problems is is less problematic in the pirate genre than it even is in high fantasy, where you know yeah, governments absolutely. and institutions still exist, and so sometimes you get in these situations with certain games where it's like, well, should we apply violence here? And pirates don't bother to ask. You're a pirate. Oh, of course you not. Know, do and, the pirate thing. And, if, you know, a murder hobo running around like fantasy England killing villagers is like not really cool. But if you're on yeah. a pirate ship and everywhere you go is soldiers and eldritch monsters and like greedy Spanish, you know, then you're you're good to go. Yeah, for sure. Can I ask you a question? This is uh, one of the themes we've gone back to on this show a lot, is how do you deal with, uh, in a player group, uh, the role of a captain? Is a captain mm. a player? And is a first officer a player? Or is everybody grunt pirates and those are NPCs bossing them well, around? What, what, what has been a really good fit in your playtesting sure. and what's a really good fit in this version of this, this pirate RPG? Well, mechanically... Um, we do have rules like naval combat rules in this game, which are loosely based on my 5e rule supplement called Limithron's Guide to Naval Combat. And in both of those systems, you have to have a captain. And if that captain isn't a player, 
the rules suggest that you assign one of the players to act as the captain, so the act GM's not making any decisions. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the captain, basically, it's actually a really, really uh, dynamic rule system in that the captain assigns what the ship will do. Uh, in Pirate Borg, they're assigning movement. And in 5e, mm-hmm. they're assigning action points for what the a crew is allowed to take. Um, but then they don't get to do anything on their actual turn. Their job is leadership. Their job is right. to come up with the plan, and then the players carry it out. So that's mechanically. But when it comes to actually at the table, uh, I think that every pirate board campaign, in my opinion, uh, should very early on start at the very bottom. What uh, we, we, we just released a new adventure called Buried in the Bahamas. And this starts with like a you're on a big ship. There's a captain everybody hates. But the first scene is it gets attacked by skeleton ships and the ship gets destroyed. Um, so it's kind of almost like a cut scene type thing. And it's then, actually what we played. Oh, you did? Yeah, you guys, you guys know. Yeah. And so yeah. then you end up on an island, and you probably have to build a raft, and then immediately you have to decide amongst yourselves which one of you is best fit to be captain, which I feel like in any pirate role-playing game is like a quintessential moment. There's the carousing table, there's getting your first ship, and then there's arguing over who will be captain. Yeah. Um, and, and that actually, just... that's historically accurate. That's exactly yes, what the pirates did. Yes. Yeah. I'll tell you yeah, how we so, figured out who's going to be the captain. We played at Gen Con. It's whoever rolled in and got a pirate, got a hat. That's right. right. Well, he oh, has a hat. Really? He's the captain. Perfect. <laughs> and I, I've seen it unfold where like the quiet player becomes captain and it works great, or like the loud, boisterous one gets wants to be captain, but then nobody votes for him. Like you have to vote. That's the way it is. And if you're trying to teach them pirate history, it's important to instill that the pirate. The pirate captain, and not like a normal naval captain, but the pirate captain is voted on, but only in charge in time of combat. That everything else gets voted on. It's like really the first form of yeah. true like American democracy is the pirates of the Caribbean. The Nassau pirates, the brethren of the coast, are the ones where they vote on everything. So I think if you're if you're trying to teach a little history and a little team building, captain's in charge in combat, but other than that, it's it's a committee, you know. So, that's, that's a great that's a great fit yeah. for an RPG group, you know, yes. unlike maybe like a Star Trek campaign yeah. where it's the hero captain and everybody's yeah. chafing underneath one guy making a lot of decisions. Yes, exactly. That is the opposite and sounds really fun. Well, my, and we uh, we embrace this. Kids, oh, go ahead. As you say, my kids start school next week and I want them to go into class. And when the teacher starts talking about democracy, they say, uh, excuse me, yes, democracy was born on a pirate ship. Yes, it was. It was. <laughs> yes. You know, pretty much. And despite the like dark time in history with all the, you know, uh, colonialization and displacement of natives and and slavery, like the pirates were the first like I mean, there were women pirates that were badass. There were African-American pirates like they were they were the yeah. first like equal to- opportunity employers. And they had in their pirate codes, like the first forms of workers comp where like on Admiral Morgan's crew, like if you lost a limb, there was a set dollar amount that you'd be paid for the limb. So they were pretty progressive in a way, which I hope that you can incorporate that into your Grimdark game before you kill them. Right. (laughs) I was going to say that, uh, you know, the the interesting thing is like if you're if you're playing a captain uh, amongst a pirate crew. You got to do right by your crew. I mean, this is a this is a crew known for mutiny. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, like yes. this is like you don't want to mess. So you yeah. can't be the bossy one. You can't be the English captain. That it's like if you yeah. don't do what I say, I'm going to flog you. You know, yes. you try that with your pirate companions, and they'll be like, mm, we, I think we're going to bury you on this island up to your neck and sail yes. away. You know, so, <laughs> another cool little thing about little pi- deep combat there. Yeah, yeah. 
another cool thing about pirate campaigns is that you do get to kind of dabble in this like domain level play almost in that you know if you're playing like bx or or some larger fantasy scope game as your players level up they might get a keep or a wizard tower or something well on a pirate game you start right away pretty much like you can steal a pirate and bury in the bahamas there's an opportunity to steal a nice ship in the first hour or two um and then you have got this like well we this ship needs 20 people to run we have four like then you've got to get npcs and then you're like managing the crew and then like maybe you are using fear to instill like inspiration of the crew or maybe you're using treasure like you have to make those decisions pretty quickly on especially if you want to move up and have a fortress or have a, a a fleet of ships or have a really large galleon like you can't have 200 players at the table there you know so uh, there's it's ripe for all kinds of play um but then also since it's the dark caribbean and there's treasure and derelict ships everywhere you can also just turn into a dungeon crawl game by just you know exploring old temples it's like whatever you want to do it's perfect for that you know what it's not perfect for is railroading your players because if you give them a ship they can go wherever they want so <laughs> that's a great point yeah that's a great point so i i've got a question for you and you may i mean you may not have an answer to this but um some some systems and are better for certain things than others like for example mothership is great for one shots because people yes, tend to yes. die do you know what i mean um mm -hmm. and doing a long term like your long campaign and mothership is almost unfathomable right um versus like call of cthulhu like they've got like really long campaigns that you can be playing or even D D or something like that where does pirate borg sit on that spectrum like is it like is it a more of a one-shot feel game or is it more of a long-term campaign um, and I've got a follow-up question depending on what you say. Sure. Well, I think that off the shelf, without thinking about it, it is a short game. Um, I think that that's what people who get the book are going to probably think. Um, they're going to think, oh, you could, you have, I start with one hit point. Like what? Right. Like, or, you know, um, or like there are like people will do the math, you know, especially like rules, lawyer, lawyer -y players who buy the book will be like, oh, so this class has more level up options than this one. Does that mean that they're going to be? And I'm like, wait, why are you thinking about where you're going to be at 10th level? Like, you know, but there's a <laughs> counter to this. And that I think that especially once uh, my next book comes out, hopefully next year, who knows? In, but the Dark Caribbean, which is going to be a whole campaign setting for Pirate Borg. Um, I think that there is this, this other kind of play that D&D &D players don't know exists involves your character being on a long arc that isn't about them leveling up in a meadow way um you uh, i read this really great article that actually sean mccoy shared um from mothership on his blog it's called uh boot hill and fear of the dice and it's about this it's a blog article about this guy who they were running D and D, and then sometimes players wouldn't show up and when they wouldn't show up he'd run this boot hill uh, tsr uh, cowboy game and this game was super, super deadly. Like, if you get shot, you're probably dead, you know? Um, and him and his players would, like, keep coming back to the system, uh, and he would get, you know, he would build out this, like, Tombstone Arizona and add in all these NPCs, and by the end, they were, like, arguing over on, like, do we take over the tavern? Is that going to piss off the cowboy gang? And, like, it, it grew into this huge campaign that they would always go back to because the lack of rules inspired this, like, freedom to explore the setting 
that they mm-hmm. that you couldn't have done if there were rules for it. Yep. Uh, and I think that Pirate Borg, uh, especially once there's writ- like published content, but even now, if you're a um, ambitious GM, is a is a setting that you could run for years if you're willing to let some players cycle through new characters every couple couple mm-hmm. sessions or a couple of session, but the ones that survive become the Blackbeards and Captain Kids of the setting. Uh, and I, I think that that's really exciting. That's not something that you would normally get in D&D where, you, where you've got this Mitch, Mitch, power level mix match um, that actually still works together because, you know, you're not going to you're not going to get to level 20 and level one. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And in fact, my follow up question, you, you started to touch on at the end there, which is, um, you know, I played a character at Gen Con that had four hit points, you know, sure. and uh, and if I had gotten hit by a cannonball. I would have needed to start yeah, a new dead. character, you know? Yeah, sure. I mean, like, and which is, I mean, come on, like, you just got hit by a cannonball, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you should be dead, you know? But um, uh, so knowing that, like, this can be played for, for wider, how do you handle player, like, how should a GM handle player death in your system? Well, I have a couple of answers. The first, before I talk about player death, I'll talk about leveling up and that the GM decides when you gain experience. So if you wanted to be, you know, kind of prolonged about it, I, I let players gain experience after their first encounter. We do it at the table session one. Just, okay, you no longer have one hit point, you survived one thing. But then the next one might take a full session and the next one might take a couple sessions. And, you know, you, you could make it harder as a GM so that they don't like get all the things on their class leveling up options too quickly you know um but then when it comes to dying like i think like you guys played in barry bahamas like that thing is written to kill people right away uh i don't know how your gm ran it but when i run it i make sure i don't end that encounter until somebody has died maybe a couple people uh to instill like that this is a impermanent setting and your character doesn't mean shit you're here to like you know be a pirate and play multiple pirates that being said, there are player character options for people who don't want to lose their character right away. Uh, there's a haunted soul um, character class where you could come back as a zombie or a ghost. It even says this in the rules. If you're, instead of dying, you can let your character come back as a ghost. Um, I've also had players come back reincarnated as as the tall tail class, which is like uh, a chicken. Like I had I was doing a live stream with Doug from Free League and. One of the characters, the captain died and we had him come back as a voodoo chicken. And like, I feel like you haven't really played a role playing game until you've had a chicken be the captain of your ship, you know? <laughs> um, and then you can have quests, you know, like just like in Pirates of the Caribbean where they got to go save Johnny Depp from, yeah. or save uh, Jack Sparrow. Like that becomes new side quests. Like, I think that's up to your your own imagination mm-hmm. as a GM. Um, but the, the, rules do, the rules system does support that kind of play, yeah. There's a there's a um, another kind of indie RPG that I have Hell Knight, uh, okay. which is a Doom Biker RPG. Super oh, excited nice. to play that. We need to get that on the table. Basically, you know, in there though, it's super like it's super like even lighter than Morkborg. Um, yeah. And there's a there's a tiny page, and it's all like Zine format, right? There's a tiny page in there that says uh, it says character advancement. It says if you need levels, please visit your nearest arcade. <laughs> it's just like the game is not designed for leveling up like you are a doom biker from day one and that's who you are let's go have fun yeah, in the sure. world wrecking havoc yeah i like mean it, it. and it does require a different kind of play i think you yeah. know my brother's a really good case uh you know what's the word case example um 
and that he's a meta player, a, a rules lawyer, uh, I'll build the best class I can kind of guy. And I, I dragged him into the OSR kicking and screaming. And now he like won't go back because it's not the same experience as playing a computer or yeah. a video game RPG where you're really looking at skill trees and picking. You're really embracing the chaos. You're realizing that a character, I mean, your, your, your stats can go down when you gain experience in Pyroborg. So you're really embracing <laughs> the, that process of like, this is not about being better and it's not about winning and not about making a hero. It's about exploring this world and having fun, I guess with your friends, really, if you're, if you're zooming out to the macro level. Um, yeah. I, um, I, I, Jason, Jason loves lethal games. I love lethal games for the sole reason of, I feel like when death is introduced into the game and is a very real thing that players will play your, their characters diff much differently, right? So like if I'm playing a D and D level 12 thing that I'm like, who cares about that frost giant? We're just going to go stab it because they, they know that they yeah. are likely going to survive it. Right. But yes. if you've got a four hit point, um, character and you see a skeleton ship and you're like hey i think i should go board that full of skeletons yeah. you're like mm, yeah. mm, hold on that might not be the right uh, the no, right choice there which you know, is because, much like, more it's much more realistic in a way yeah. yeah yeah i think um the the fighting the big giant thing Oh, I lost my train of thought. I have too many thoughts. Sorry, finish finish your question. <laughs> no, well, no, no. I, I mean, it was it was just that, right? Which is that, like, I you know, players. I think um, when they feel invincible in RPGs, they'll make improbable decisions, and yes. um, if they feel invincible, they will play their characters a little bit closer to the chest. So, I mean, we talked about the fact that hey, pirates are murder hobos on the ocean. Well if there's a chance of them dying, they're going to try to talk their way out of it. They're going to try to parlay, yeah. you know, they're going to try to do, they'll try to bribe their way out of the situation. They'll try to do something else because they know that death is a very real thing. And so they don't have to just be the murder hobos, right? Like, um, and, and that is one great thing I do love about pirates is that, I mean, we've got a Johnny Depp character archetype, right? That he solves, he rarely solves his, problems with violence i mean he's usually yes, trying yeah. to outsmart or out talk or you know out trick or or do lots of different things and that's very much in a pirate genre right so yeah um and i think having low health points in a deadly system encourages creative play i guess is uh, my point that i was going to make yeah i i you know throwing back to that shadow dark game i played at gen con i i played a wizard which I always do when I'm playing a non-pirate game. And I think I had two hit points, uh, and I was so squishy. And I think that if I had been playing 5th edition and I had spent two hours picking my spells um, and writing a backstory, I would have played this guy so different than I played him. Um, but instead, I made decisions like, well, you know what? Like His life doesn't really matter. From a like from my player investment standpoint, this is a one shot. He was pre generated, whatever. Um, but I'm gonna just play him in the most fun way that I can. And this guy would like, you know, he was like cranky old wizard with a. He showed up naked, being drunk, like stowing away on this ship. And I just had him go like, oh, the whole party goes that way. There are eight players going that way. I'm gonna go this way and explore the tomb. Oh, that thing has got a weird sound. I'm gonna crack it open with my staff and investigate and like decisions I would not have made if I was worried about his 
health as a mm-hmm. player, um, but that I thought that ended up like serving the story really well. And he ended up getting all. Um, I don't know if you guys have checked out Shadow Dark, but the XP is like really low. Like you know, you level up after like three XP or instead of like three hundred. And this guy got all six of the experience points that we earned that adventure because of his like <laughs> blind luck and curiosity. And and he was the one like making everybody laugh because he was doing the dumbest stuff. And I feel like I want to encourage as much of that kind of play at my table and with a game that I'm making as I can. Yeah. How did you, yeah. um, you know, Pirate Borg's book is is a lot of fun to read. It's uh, It's easy to open. It's easy to um find what you need to do in it and then when you do find it it's a super simple um yeah super simple uh uh, rules for everything i need to do right like all right i need to fire you know uh, ranged combat i open it up and it's very simple um that kind of stuff so the art though in the book is super awesome like you said you know it has kind of a darkest dungeon feel to it how did you like had you had you solved the art problem with what was in your head, like you know, did you just did you just happen to know an awesome artist that you could get to to do this for you? Did you think like, man, like was it intimidating to try to solve the art to pull it out to make it get the aesthetic you wanted? Well, the artist is an asshole. I hate working with him. He always wants to do something different than I do, but that's because he's me. <laughs> so oh, you did all the art. This? Yeah, I did all the art. Yeah. Wow. Oh my god. Holy crap, wow. man. Congrats. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Well, there you go. That's I, all, the thing I that find question. that's interesting is that wh- I don't know why everyone assumes I didn't do the art. Like why why would you assume why would you assume that I didn't do the writing? Is it just assumed that because I'm the designer, I guess that's probably why. A lot of people are surprised when I say I do the art and I would have been like, I always think like, oh, I would have thought I did the art first. But everybody specializes. Of, it looks like a collaborative thing. effort. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 all me. Uh, there's a there's a few public domain images, but you can kind of tell, uh, like if it looks like an old etching or something from you know the 1700s, it probably is. If it looks like it's from yeah. Darkest Dungeon or a comic book, I drew it. I drew all the ships though, so that's that's. Um, uh, I mean, I like think this this right here. I mean, I feel like this is straight out of Darkest Dungeon, like the tentacles. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And, and the, There's a couple, the especially when you get to the bestiary, like the, like the coral shaga. Do you have the PDF? Can you open the PDF? Uh, let me find it. It'll take me a minute, but um, yes. I mean, look, like I, I am, and I've said this many times. I am an unabashed pirate. I, I have totally embraced the, like, you know, good artists borrow, great artists steal uh, ethos. Like I would put on Chris Barassa's like developer streams from drawing monsters for darkest dungeon while drawing some of these monsters. Like, hmm. and I just would study his techniques. Um, and I've used a lot of like image references. Like I basically look at myself much more of a, as a trades person than an artist. And then I'm just trying to get the thing I want out of my head and onto the page. Um, now I don't uh, like I, I'm not this, I'm not saying that I like actually steal art. I'm just saying that like this is a way I've learned my whole life is by studying. I mean, I'm the first real creative endeavor I had was I was a big into drum and bass and it was a drum and bass DJ in high school. And the first tracks that I made, I just would you know rip off other guys' style until I understood how they did it, and then I would use it to make my own. And that's kind of what I've done here. You know, same with the rules. Well, we I never from- made an RPG. We learned from our uh, that when we had our attorney on, 
uh, talk about uh, AI and art that uh, you can't copyright style. It's arrangement yeah. that's copyrightable. So yeah, uh, exactly. the fact so, that you're pulling, I, you know, a style that everyone loves that I think is perfect for a pirate board game uh, and that yeah, you did it I yourself, mean, man. It's really impressive. Well, thank you. Um, and I think another lesson from this too is like I started when I first started making battle maps, I would take model ship plans, like real model ship plans and load them in Photoshop and like trace the basic ship, like basically build a model ship, but with drawing instead of wood. Uh, and then I would add style to it to make it look an RPG map. And then I'd have a, by the end, I'd have a ship battle map. Well, then after doing that enough times, I like now I don't need to look at the ship plans. I can just do them on my own. And I think that this do is this like all a, in Photoshop. Uh, it's either in Photoshop or I also have an iPad that I will just do black and white drawing on and then move yeah. it in. Like, I think a lot of these monsters I did. Can you go to the next the next page? One one oh three. Like this guy is very oh. darkest dungeon inspired. Mm -hmm. um, Coral Shoggoth, yeah. Coral um, Shoggoth, yeah. So what? I mean, Shoggoth right there is super Lovecraftian, right? So yeah, yeah, he, yeah um, exactly. <laughs> what What is amazing is like you've got you know stuff like this, right? Where you've got different skeletons, different mm -hmm. different guys like this, and then you start to move down, and, and you're like, okay, I mean, like that's a really cool page from the BC area right there. But then you move down in here and it's just like your your pages and this goes with the design fill that you've got right like it, it seems like you move through these different things and like it's like a different section almost yeah, yeah think... that's one thing i wanted to point out was that i think you did a really good job in your book like when i'm flipping through the book to find something there's almost like an underlying color theme for sections of the book. So it makes it really easy to navigate quickly to a, a part of the book that you need. Like, all right, I remember yeah. combat's red, you know, and I could get there yeah. really easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this is, I would say primarily it's, uh, it's from my study of other RPGs. I've heard other people say that, especially about Morkborg, like, Oh, it's so hard to read. Oh, but I know exactly where that one page is because it's next to that other art image, you know. But then a lot of that is just happy accidents. Like, it'll be like, well, what do I want this page to look like? Okay, cool. Like, for example, like the British page is bright red. And like, well, now you know that it's almost like a marker of like, oh, here's the British page. Or when you pass a second ago, you don't have to go back, but there's the, oh, the mythic the mythic sea shanties and the um, mishaps keep, if you keep going, Oh, this one too. Like you, you when you're flipping through, they just, they grab you. And yeah. that, that's yeah. like, I didn't do that on purpose, but that's the result of making all the spreads like very loud and interesting. Yeah. And that's just a result of the influence and in what I wanted to make. I, it wasn't like, you know, um, I guess intentional for grabbing your eye though. The things like, I mean, I think some of the reasons that you find it easy to navigate is because of things like every page has a header on the top. that says exactly <laughs> the page number in the same that font with what it is. <laughs> and that's not, a, that's a mothership thing. A hundred percent. That's like, look, this is designed to be used at the table, but also to impart style. Uh, and that's another thing. I think that the modern RPG approach. And one thing I really, really learned from Morkborg and took to heart from it is that, like three pages of graphic design and art can convey more setting than 300 pages of text in my opinion. Mm -hmm, totally. And I think that that this book encapsulates that and that, you know what this game is. Like I can hand this to people at my other job and they'll, they get it with like, they, they don't, maybe they don't understand what a role playing game is, but if they, if I can explain that part, they get it with a couple page turns, like, Oh, you're a, you're a 
terrible pirate and oh you can play as a chicken oh because there's a picture of a chicken like right i think that anybody ma making an rpg would be well served to put art for everything because that's the way to do it yeah um one of the things and I, i'm gonna switch screens here for just a second because one of the things that um i want to talk about is your character sheet in particular because i feel mm -hmm. like this was also maybe um uh mothership inspired the the character um, sheet quick start yeah yeah is that 100 so percent character creation no not yeah. this this one is inspired by the morkborg sheet let me see where's the it's the creation see. sheet the one character that guides you sheet. step one step two this is like what you fill four. in at, yeah this, this is, is the, the one, one you fill in after you, in. you yeah it, uh this is the one i'm looking for hold on let me switch it one more time yeah, You're this is right. this is probably the biggest mother mothership influence in the whole book. Um, basically, guy. it's a flowchart. It's a flowchart of how to build a character with. It doesn't have everything that you need, but it has basically like a you were an experienced pirate board player. You could print this out, and when you died, you could go through it in order and know what you're playing. Basically, well, I'll tell you this: being an experienced mothership player, when he put this in front of me, I was like, "All right." and I had my character like made up in yeah. like three minutes you know like, we right, actually we actually stopped using these at conventions because they are they're actually too good at character creation and i think okay. that you uh i mean it's good it, this is better for getting a character made quickly but when we're running at conventions we want people to understand what the game is and part of that uh. is going through the book and yeah. the pages of the book like you can yeah you can roll a d6 and 2d12s and then you know roll for a weapon but if you go through the book you actually get this like visceral experience and rolling on the like um background tables is in particular always gets like it's always a fun yeah. experience for people um so well, i, I think it's a it, great go ahead i was just gonna say the combination for me you know be have having a lot of experience with mothership and I saw this in front, but recognizing there were going to be, I wanted to know what everything was. So I had this in front of me and I had the book and I would oh, roll perfect. and then I'd move yeah. the next thing and I'd pop the book. And yeah. it was, it was a nice intro to figure the book out. Yeah. Right? Great. Great. That's, what, that's what I intended. And I, I think that for experienced role-playing, especially OSR experienced players, that that's the ideal combo. But sometimes if we put people who just like, they just look at the sheet, you know, they don't look anywhere else. It's like, well, we want you to look through the book too, because you know, you'll get yeah. more of the setting that way. You can't help it. Uh, and I'll tell you, you guys did it right at Gen Con by having a little book in front of every player. Because yeah. when um, other, so, you know, we were running the scenario, we had three ships, we're fighting against the big bone ship and, um, you know, the battle for Dead Man's Cove is kind of what we were running there. And uh, while... Uh, Wait, I think so did you play twice? No, we just did Battle of Dead Man's Cove. That's the oh, so, okay. You didn't do Buried in Bahamas. Okay. Gotcha. So what it was is um, actually I only know this because I was sitting next to the GM and I saw the pamphlets that he had in front of him. He was doing a hybrid of oh, was he? oh, oh cool, cool, yeah, a hybrid of the two. So getting to land, get to the island, we had the same fight that's in there, but um, yeah. because there were three of our ships on there, um, one of the ships boarded and had the fight that's in the book um oh, the okay, other gotcha. ships just made their way to the island because we were, yeah, we're like, like yeah, we'll let them take care of the ships and we'll go to the no, island get the treasure. yeah <laughs> yeah so um okay, so but sorry, what was great saying... is that 
Yeah, when Jason was, you know, and he and his buddy were kind of, um, you know, doing their thing, I was flipping through the book being like, oh, that's really cool. Oh, that's interesting, you know? And so, like, having that little book, it's not a, it's not a big book by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, it's something you can, you, you know, I mean, it's only like this, it's only like this big. And um, being able to kind of flip through it and look at it, like, it was great. And, you know, yeah, again, having these sheets to just really, yeah, exactly, it's, um, it is not a huge book and it doesn't need to be, but it's beautiful and it's amazing. And it's got that design feel. Um, but having the sheet here to kind of just roll the stuff, but then also look on, you know, like, uh, for example, I was like, Oh, a swashbuckler. And then I p- turned to page 38 to really understand like what the swashbuckler is all about yeah, sure, sure. and okay, stuff great, like that. Great. So that was really cool. Yeah. I just, yeah, and I, there's cool. this, honestly, this is how I got so into making role-playing games is that this whole some people call it the new sr uh, like it's a totally different approach to making games than i think the ethos was for the past 30 years that is like for me the only way forward like i don't understand why wouldn't you put page references everywhere uh, number (laughs) and like why not footnote whenever you can and like why not lay things out in a way so that you can understand them, you know, like things like thinking in spreads instead of just bulk text. And a, a lot of this is the way that d- games get designed yeah. when someone who is writing it is not the guy who's doing the art or laying it out. Mm-hmm. They'll just write yeah. what they want to write. And then the layout guy's got to make it fit. But, you know, in this new school approach, like if it, if I'm going over a page, I'll cut text to fit it on one page. So you don't have to turn pages, you know, to figure out how to read the thing. Yeah. You know? Just make sure and you I get the that's... page numbers right. That's right. Right. We were playing. What were we playing? Everyday Heroes, and like we noticed, the page numbers were off by like three pages. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, that's pretty. We had a. We're like holding the book, and we're like, Uh, yeah, that's that's rough. I luckily they're in the book. They're all InDesign tags, so they auto update. But making these external sheets update after you've made a change is tricky. So, yeah, for sure. So, um, so. What I wanted to talk about as we sort of come to near the end of our podcast, though, is, um, you know, Limithron. Limithron is your company uh, that is making Pirate Borg. And um, you mentioned that you have a day job, which is, um, you know, a lights guy. This is before the show. You mentioned that you're, a, you know, a lights guy for concert venues uh, for a specific van, uh, band. Um, I'll let you talk about that if you feel like it, but yeah, you're sure. kind I'll of, talk about it. you know, your other job is Limithron, but it's like two full-time jobs that you have, right? Yeah. I mean, I've been very, very fortunate that COVID was really good for me and that, you know, I'm, so I'm in concert lighting um, and my only client these days is Smashing Pumpkins. So I'm on tour right now and I was on tour before Gen Con and left Gen Con to come to, or left tour to go to Gen Con and came back to tour. Um, but covid like we lost all our work uh you know there are no concerts for a couple years few few concerts there but they were weird um and i just stumbled into this like hobby that turned into a patreon that by the end of lockdown was like paying my, my bills and then now is like good enough that i'm employing my brother and we have like a small team of people and then the kickstarter did really really well so like i'm basically feel like I'm living in a dream and that both of my jobs are very, very cool. Um, but when I started playing D&D, my first, you know, fifth edition wizard, I always play wizard, like I said, 
was a very Tolkien-inspired young Gandalf named Limithron, and Limithron is Sindarin for Light Wizard, which is my day job <laughs> so nice uh, yeah yeah so uh you know i always like to say people always say like oh luke you're a pirate like i kind of think of myself i don't really think of myself as a pirate i feel like i'm more like maybe i was an arcane wizard that like survived through the ages and was friends with pirates because i <laughs> feel myself much more you know how gandalf loves wizard or loves hobbits like Limithron yeah. loves pirates, you know. So. <laughs> That's awesome. And and your logo for your uh, for yes. your company makes more sense with the Gandalf hat over the uh, Jolly Roger, right? Exactly. There, so. yeah. um, and I think given enough cool. time, you know, especially after we get through Dark Caribbean, that we'll probably I'll probably do some more fantasy stuff. Like I just think after having spent five or however many years it will be in a purely historically inspired pirate setting, I'll be like really excited to like you know, run into a troll, you know, or so, you know, yeah. have a dragon, you know, we'll, we'll see though. So. Yeah. So, um, I, I was, I was going to ask you, and I think you sort of answered this a little bit, but, um, you know, you, uh, pirate board is being released September 19th. Um, mm -hmm. obviously right here on the website, you can pre-order now, which ends up taking you to, I believe the free league, uh, or no, this no, is, actually, this, is our, this is our backer kit, um, our backer kit pre-order and these actually ship right away. Um, oh wow yeah uh it's you know just because we have a unique deal with free league because w usually they're involved before the kickstarter but i had already kickstarted this game and it had already shipped um before we signed the deal uh so you can pre-order the game through us and get any of these things here uh but our full online store is launching on talk like a pirate day as well as the full international retail release um you can also pre-order from Free League, and that will be the second printing of the book, uh, which doesn't come with some of the uh, add-ons like the, the bookmarks and the printed treasure map, but it does have some uh, major errata fixes in it. Um, yeah. But oh, the one thing I want to say before we go is that Talk Like a Pirate Day, if you're still here and still listening, is like a really big deal for us because we're trying to make it like our own... Um, you know, kind of Pirate Borg version of Dungeon Crawl Classics Day in that we have oh, a retailer cool. kit that goes out to any retailer who has pre-ordered the book through Free League where you can get free stuff to hand out to your customers. And then we're launching a Harbor Master program where GMs can earn rewards by playing public games. Um, and we have rewards uh, up through, uh, and then we're going to do like a D2 piece of eight is going to be one of the, one of the, rewards you know and pencils and all that kind of cool t-shirts and stuff so that's really exciting we're really big into like community building um and we have a very active discord so if this sounds up your alley come come look us up right so i was just gonna say where should they go and find is it the discord the place you want them to look or should they come well, to the so pirate board you're website? On, right here on the page i would just go to events if you're on limithron.com or pirateboard.com you can go to events and go to talk like a pirate day and that has all the summary for what we're releasing, what you can get as a gamer. And if you scroll down, you can see how to sign up as a Harbor Master or a content creator. If you guys are going to run a stream, you can earn points to, for free swag. Hey. Yeah. That might be fun. That might be great. We could probably swing something like that. So we've got the uh, infrastructure to do it for sure. You know, so yeah. that would be great. Yeah, uh, this your your website, limithron.com slash pirateborg um is uh 
is, is a great, uh, you know, lumithron.com is your main site, but you can go see Pirate, uh, Pirate Borg. I saw your Dark Caribbean that, uh, you know, you're kind of working on right now. Yeah, listen, um, we don't, I haven't really started the art for it yet, so I don't have much to put on this page, but which is okay. It's going to be the book I always, yeah, it's the book I always intended to make. It's I, I like to pitch it if you're familiar with uh Andrew Kolb's Neverland book or his Oz book. You you know, guys know those it's like like 5e RPG settings. One's based on Peter Pan Neverland okay. and the other, other one's uh Wizard of Oz and the next one he's making is Alice in Wonderland. Um those books or uh Swordfish Island's Dark of Hot Springs Island. It's going to be like one of these like thick maps for every island. NPCs, encounter tables, basically like a very immersive or um, emergent gameplay style setting book rather than like just adventures where you follow along a pre-written path. So, uh, One thing I do like about your site is this maps and assets tab. It's really yes. cool. I, if, if people can kind of look around, like you can download ships and vessels. I mean, these are all pictures that you can, you know, kind of, uh, get and stuff like that so um very very cool like you know the different ships that you have and if you want to put something out for your players to see like you've just got like a lot of these things you got regions cities and taverns right that you can kind of lay in front of them which is i mean all such great assets to use when you're doing stuff i know that as a player like i just love it when somebody drops even just a visual aid in front of me like we don't have to put minis on the ground or anything like that but if you know if if i just have like oh okay like that's what the tavern looks like it really helps kind of uh stimulate the the imagination yeah, absolutely like that, like a, so. you know a lot of this came from the 5e origin and we still have a, we have a ton of 5e patrons and we still fully support 5e but you know mm -hmm. in 5e you often will need a battle map you'll need to know like how big is right. that cone spell you're casting or whatnot but i think um in like using Roll20 or Foundry uh, are great for that battle map style play. But Pyroborg, like while there are rules how far you can move, the spells don't have ranges like that. Um, and you don't yeah. really, and there's no attacks of opportunity. So it really doesn't really matter where they are on the map other than for what you said, like for visual aid. So you can load these yeah. into a VTT or use them on Discord or Google Meet or like Alchemy RPG is a, a newer one that's really good at just like showing you pretty art and then you can all imagine what it's like to be there and without having to like, yeah. you don't have to drag a token if you don't need to, you know? Right. Right. Well, <clears throat> Luke, I want to give you credit for putting out a really high quality book at a very great price point, a very accessible oh, price point where yeah. as a player, you kind of want the book. And some of these RPGs that come out, there have been some really thick phone books. You know, mm. uh, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. Some of them are really beautifully made. But at the same time, it's like, so is everybody in that group going to drop $100 yeah, on that 400-page yeah, sure, sure. uh, tome? Uh, but this is so accessible on so many different levels. The character sheets, you know, if you want the limited edition hardcover, you, you still have that available. But, but just getting in and getting your hands on the book that that's a really good price point there's some r retailers of course that are you know you can get a blow msrp because they make that decision but um it's it, it makes it a very enticing uh rpg to want to get into knowing there's not going to be a big huge paywall to keep going i mean some of us are so 
uh, gamer broke because of our war gaming habits. Uh, oh <laughs> you know, we see an RPG under 50 bucks. It's like, that looks awesome. We should yeah. probably get that one. Well, I have two so. things to add to that. One is that if you buy the book, it comes with all the PDFs and digital assets for playing it on a VTT. But one of those assets is a player PDF. That is right. the book, but with all of the spoiler stuff removed and all of the removed. role tables removed. So that you can give that PDF to your players and they can use it to build a character and learn the rules without spoiling anything. And I would like to, at some point, maybe in a box set or in a future Kickstarter, do like, I don't know if you guys have seen the like old school essentials style adventures. They're hardcover, but they're very small. And I think it'd be Mm -hmm. really cool to do a version of that where you can, hey, buy a bundle with the core book, but then like four copies of the player book. So people can get that experience. I just, I just really hate that you put this work into an RPG and then only the GM gets to experience it. Like I yeah, want yeah. the players to be in that world as well, you know. And, so and that's a, as, that's as a, a as a GM who spends sixty seventy dollars on core books, to have the the hardcover book at forty and then to have the card set at twenty. That seems like a total no-brainer for me because I'm a card addict. My my buddies yeah, well, here know that. The cards, if there's a card those, box, I buy it. Yeah, I was going to say that's another nice thing that you can do is the book. If you're only going to get one book, you can add the cards on. And then when your players get a ship or find a magic item, you hand them the card. Or you want to build yeah. an encounter, you can show on one side has the monster and the other side is the stats. So you can mm. kind of get dual purpose out of them. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I like I don't want to like boast about this, but like this is a game made for by someone who just wanted it to exist. Like I wanted these things because I want I make them for other RPGs I play and I'd be like let's just make them for ours and I just have fortunate yeah. enough that I have the skill set to learn how to produce them all uh, so really our intent is really just for everybody to have a, the best pirate role playing game experience possible <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome and I'll say that this uh, character ship sheet pad that we use this yeah. at, uh, at Gen Con oh, and yeah. I loved it I mean I just yeah, loved being yeah. able to be like okay got it there's my stat, flip it over, or there's my ship stats, right? Like, yeah, I so have the front sheet. is like a normal I, character. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, yeah, exactly. And in fact, I, I think we can show, like, here's the front, right, which is your character, and here's yeah. the back that is like your ship stuff, right? Your ship so. stuff's on the right, and then on the left has like where you can fill in your background information just so you can remember mm-hmm. it. And there's a little ship log notes section there. That's yeah. Right. And yeah. also, we have a, a character generator on, uh, I think it's limithron.com slash random pirate, which will fill in this character sheet with uh, all the ru- all the rules for a new character. So if oh, you, sweet. Yeah, so if you die mid-game and don't want to spend the time to roll a new character, you can just go open that up on your phone and hopefully take a screenshot. Or maybe not, because by the time you need to refresh it, you might be dead. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, there was another thing. Ah, I to add. there's there my go. random pirate, Willem yeah. Cutthroat Gray. <laughs> that is amazing. Yes. All you have to do the is sorcerer. just type in limitthron.com/slash random pirate. And I, you know, not to give this away, like you know, but I'll say that this thing is free, and there's a free PDF rules reference on limitthron.com, and that's all you need to play Pyroborg. So you don't even need the freaking book. You know, you can just. Make characters, but buy the buy buy Luke's friggin' book, everybody. Please buy yeah. it. It's amazing. It's I got a card going right now, Luke. I, 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 
stuff is coming in and going out. I'm like, how many of those, how many pads will I need? Uh, <laughs> yeah. How many characters am I going to kill? Yeah. I haven't, we have, it hasn't, well, it's not even out yet, but it hasn't been out long enough for people to start reordering pads. But I'd be curious to see if people are like really, you know, because what we're going for, like, I, I think if I can compare us to the cartel, to, to Stockholm cartel, like those guys kind of made Morkborg like almost on accident, you know, like, it was started as this zine and then they got freely to publish it and it, it and then it blew up to this like cult thing you know but they don't support it like we we're supporting this like we're like like mothership plans to support you know or like a like pathfinder does or like goodman games that's our model for how to run the company uh mm -hmm. and you know like the morkborg like johan went, went on to make cyborg rather than like an official expansion for morkborg you know well we're gonna take right. the opposite approach like that's a great approach for growing like the body of things that exist for the cartel. But for us, everything we make is for Pirate Borg. Uh, and yeah. we're really trying to, like I said, build that community just because I have always loved communities like with the Lord of the Rings card game and the Star Wars card game back in the day. I really love when there's a community of people who are obsessed with it. And Goodman really has that with their games where people come, and we're starting to see it too, where people come to cons and they're expecting to play uh dcc at some point that week and they don't like maybe it'll be a new adventure their characters are probably going to die but like that's part of their con experience and we really want pirate borg to be that same kind of thing where you can bring your character from last year that survived or roll up a new one maybe he was the captain but now he's dead you know um right. and just kind of keep this like almost like an ecosystem going where you're you know everyone's just playing in this terrible version of the Caribbean, but building like collective experiences doing it. That's the idea. Well, it's super exciting. Uh, we're very excited to see this come out on September 19th. I feel myself very fortunate to have played this actually at Gen Con, uh, kind of as a sneak peek, I guess, and to actually have held the book in my hand at the Free League um, uh, event. Uh, sorry, one last question that I have is like you know you you're you're putting this out you did your kickstarter like what was the decision point of like pairing with free league on this because i mean any of our listeners know that we are like huge fans of free league uh we think that everything that they touch is pretty much gold they've got the midas touch for a lot of stuff and i think that um you know the recent ennies that they've won and even last year that they won is really propelling them to the forefront of rpgs in terms of quality and and um interesting games that they're coming out with right and systems so what yeah. was your thought and like kind of in pairing with free league and how was your experience with that well um i think where to start i mean basically i made the game and it did yeah. really really well on kickstarter it did it was the highest funded third-party Morkborg project by a big step. And depending on when you looked at the conversion rate, it was actually the highest funded Morkborg project, not counting Cyborg. Um, and I had never made anything on Kickstarter. So I, I just emailed Free League. I even asked Pella, who who wrote Morkborg. He actually wrote two of the monsters in Pirateborg. I was like, hey, can you like connect me? And he's like, well, I, just email the support. That's the only thing I really feel comfortable doing. Because, you know, it's the RPG community yeah. is like, you know, you don't want to like, you, you get it. Uh, but I just, yeah, I emailed yeah. them and they were, and they were interested. And I mean, like they probably should have been because it did really well without their help. Like, uh, you know what right. I'm saying? Like not to be cocky, but like, 
I think if I was running a company and one of my projects had an offsuit that did, however, you know, five thousand backers or whatever, it's like it's like an easy sell for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't have a publisher and I don't know how to do any of that stuff, um, which of course we figured out a lot of that by now. But <laughs> they basically they took it into um, uh, into distribution. Like so, we're on their sub label yeah. called Free League Work- Workshop, which is the same sub label mm-hmm. as Morkborg and Into the Odd. So basically, like we're the small group of creators that have made a game that freely didn't make because usually they have a big team working on it, you know. Um, yeah. And then and then we just basically get represented via them through all of their you know sales channels and all their you know convention channels and stuff like that. And I um, think that the One Ring started there. No, the One Ring started um, at Cubicle Seven. Um, uh, yes, that's right. And, and then, because I used uh, to play the one ring with Cubicle play. Seven, and I this is another well, I, more to your your story or your question, I guess. So I used to, I actually went to Gen Con one year and ran games for Cubicle Seven. I ran like four oh, games. Yeah, I ran two one ring games and two Adventures in Middle Earth. And like, I'll say this, you know, transparently because uh, I think people should know, I did not like how I was treated. I, I. I asked if I could get a discount on something and they said that I got the adventure that I, I ran for free, the PDF of it. And that really rubbed me the wrong way. I really thought, Hey, I'm here. Like, I know you guys got my badge, but like I spent four hours of every day of the most important con of the year running your game. And you, you're not even going to like hook me up with a dice or something. You know, I just didn't, I didn't like that, you know? So when, uh freely got alien when they announced alien i had never heard of them and i was like what and when i checked out alien i was like this is how you make a role-playing game this is like these guys understand this hobby like all these other guys don't understand it you know uh so then when they announced that they were taking over the one ring license i was like finally like fine i just got goosebumps actually Mm -hmm. they i was like they're gonna make this game like it should be made and then they're gonna take care of the people who are running it like they should uh Mm -hmm. and all that happened uh, and Doug Shute, who is their, um, he's kind of like their stream online stream manager, but mostly he's yeah. their convention guy. Uh, he mm-hmm. had me on his stream, and he basically like took me under his wing, and he he pushed them to definitely take a good look at Pirate Borg, and he's the reason that they really really signed it. Um, and I've learned so much from Doug just from like the way he treats free league fans. Um, it, it's like just how you treat your community. Um, so, uh, when the, when the question came to like, whether we, we want to do this or not, cause you know, you give up a percentage of things to be with any publisher. Uh, it, it was a no brainer because it's, why would you not want to be with the best role playing game company on, on the planet? So, uh, I think we, I, I'm speaking for myself. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, everything, like I said, everything that I see comes out from them. I'm just blown away. Uh, you know, I mean, I backed, um, Jason backed Blade Runner. I backed The Walking Dead, um, and uh, you know, I mean, I didn't go for a, Walking and, Dead. I I just don't care at all about that IP. But I went hard on Blade Runner for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we've got another friend that's all in on the One Ring, you know, yeah. and he's getting like a lot of the Moria stuff that's coming out too. Oh, yeah. And so and that's that was the thing too. Like Cubicle Seven announced Moria, and then like we didn't hear anything for like two years, and it was like. Right. What is going on? Can you at least give us like an update, you know? And with Free League, it's like, bam, 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 the engine's running. Hey, we're announcing it. By the way, Kickstarter's next month. Like, what? These guys, yeah. know, they just know what they're doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. If you want the 5e, here's the 5e. You want to do the custom? Oh, yeah. By the way, yeah. yeah. Oh, and it's also got all like the art that you imagine would be in a role, Lord of the Rings role right. game. So. Yeah. 
Uh, you can tell I'm a little salty, but I'm also very happy at the same time. <laughs> yeah, we've all had run-ins with different companies at different yeah, times sure. too. That's it's. And I mean, this is an opportunity human for, beings, you know? for community. Yes, of course. You know, this is an opportunity for them to correct their whatever. Moving on. <laughs> well, hey, I, I just want to mention while we were talking the. The cart that I had made its way to check out. So I, I, I'm looking oh, forward no. to Excellent. I'm looking forward to September having a little September surprise come in the mail and uh, Oh no, it'll ship right assets. away, man. You're you're gonna get it way before September. Okay. Even better. Yeah, yeah it says pre order, but it's it's just because we're launching the real store. We're not gonna rebrand everything for uh, you know a few months. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, I picked up the book of the cards and Awesome. For me, that's kind of a no-brainer. I, I have a soft spot for pirates, uh, so this is just kind of a, a no-brainer for me in my that's collection. Great. I don't have a pirate role-playing game now. I do. I'm, I'm oh, happy yeah, that was a, another thing you talked about earlier, but I just can't believe how few pirate role-playing games are. I mean, there's 7C, yeah. but that's opposite of Grimdark. Like, you basically can't die in that game. You're like yeah. Earl Flynn, Swashbuckler. You're not even a pirate, yeah. really. Uh, and I'm yeah. Like, yeah, I want to yeah. yeah. get scurvy. Give me skirt. <laughs> yeah, the seven C is all about the ruffled shirts. Yeah, ruffled. Yeah, <laughs> ruffled and I, I love shirts. that. I love that setting. But like, if it's it, to show you the kind of pirate guy that I am, I don't even own that game. You know, like yeah. every time I look at, it, I'm like, no, I want, I, I want to be. I say this all the time. I want to play as Barbosa and his pirates. You know, yeah. like I want to be the, I want to be the terrible bad pirates that, like, you know, uh, they're all skeletons at night. You know? Very good. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you, Luke, for coming on the show. We're 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 so happy to have you on here. I'm sure we could have talked for hours and hours and hours, and probably our listeners would have turned us off. But uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we're 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 grateful that you came on. We're excited for the official launch of Pirate Borg on September 19th. But as our listeners were clued in, uh, you guys were in the know. If you go to if you go to limitsron.com slash pirate board you can get your copies sooner than september 19th so go check it out go check it out because it's totally worth it um we played it at gen con and i had a i had a really fun time with it and uh it's definitely gonna make my way into our our rpg rotations that we have because it's just a great game so uh but thank you so much luke and um you know we'd love to have you back when you start putting out your dark uh, Caribbean stuff or, or anything absolutely. else that you're working on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah thanks, man. Good times. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks for letting me ramble. <laughs> no worries. And for all of our listeners, we've got links to, um, you know, Luke stuff down in the description below. So check it out there. You can join his discord and also uh, feel free to j- jump on and join us on our discord. So, We'd love to see you there if you aren't already there. So thank you, everybody, and we'll see you at the tables.